Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Mailbag is back for 2023. Brand new preseason episodes. That right, we are coming at you before the season begins to help you put your teams together. My name is Damo, and Clarky is also here. And our favourite guest is more or less a recurring, a recurring guest star at this point. Ben from Supercoach Insider is also here. Clarky, we'll get to you in a moment. Ben, thank you for joining us to kick off Mailbag for 2023. How are you doing? Very well, boys. I'm very excited that the men's season is coming back. I'm holding a Sharon in my hands right now. I'm that excited. I've changed my team about 100 times. Footy's back. Thanks for having me on, especially for the first one of the year. Always a pleasure to be with you. And Clarky, how are you, my good friend? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's uh, it's nice to start off the year being relegated to a fa- uh, to backseat behind a favoured guest. Um <laughs> Which no, it's great. We love Ben. We love having you on. Uh, I think you're a fan favorite as well as uh, a jock favorite because we're here for the puns, and you guys have been pumping out really good preseason content. To be fair, I think it was only in that order because we beat the demons, and based on the latter, I think I kind of have to go before a Melbourne supporter. Clarky has left the chat. <laughs> I mean, look, you didn't win the grand final, so I think we're kind of, we're all in the same boat, really. It's all we're all behind. We're all friends. Long. <laughs> We're all friends. We'll get to the community's questions in just a moment. But before we do, I'd just like to know what part of your team is creating the most headaches for you? Oh, there's two spots. Now, probably the ruck line is probably the biggest conundrum. And then I'd say probably D3. That's where I'm having the biggest issue. So if I... I say the ruck line, really it's like R2. I'm pretty set at the moment with um, Darcy Cameron as my R2 essentially. So I'm looking at that other ruck and the D3. It's like, well, am I looking at a mid-pricer there or am I trying to squeeze in another premium? And I think there's not much really standing up for me at this point. So I think those two spots are probably the ones causing the biggest issue at the moment. Yeah, I think I'm the same as you, Ben. It's For me, it's, it's D2 and 3. And probably I would put for like F2 and 3 sort of similarly, just in around like who I definitely want to be there. I think we all have, you know, for me, it's Tom Stewart. I'm like not living without him this year. Uh, I don't think I don't think there's anyone I can go past for that top four option. Um, and in the forward line as well, Josh Dunkley, undeniable value with his prospective position at the lines. Um but actually, the the R one position at the moment for me, pending preseason, is Brody Grundy. There's so much up in the air. Hey, like Grundy, it's like is he going to play forward fifty and Max score on defensive side and then sort of split across the middle? Um, you know, is Royal Marshall going to be playing forward with Kingy out? So there's so much up in the air at this moment. Is English going to actually get a good run without getting knocked out or missing games? Uh, and even in the defensive line, the reason it's big issue is because they're so overpriced. So many averaging 110 plus and they are 600,000. That's what you pay in your midfield. You know, there's reasons why people are looking at Tom Mitchell or Green because when you stack it up from defense to the midfield, the defensive line is so overpriced, but you have to start some premiums somewhere. Otherwise, your team's just a bunch of nothing. So I think that's why uh, a lot of us are having issues. Personally, my... My biggest headache is actually the M5 position. I think I've got the rest of my team pretty much sorted out. I mean, my, my ruck line, haven't ruled anyone in or out yet. I'm kind of keeping all my options open. But M5, I don't know how expensive or how cheap to go in that position. And, I'm, and, and I guess I'll sort that out as we get 
preseason games, but we only get one this year. So hopefully that one preseason game will tell us how 22s are going to look heading into the season. Out of curiosity, Damo, who is your current M5? Uh, Tom Green. Very good. But I've had iterations of my team where he is my M4 and I've had a cheaper M5. I think a lot of people have got Greeny around that four or five, uh, depending on how their sort of other lineups matching up. But there's a lot of value this year as well. This year, more than probably some others where there's a, you know, plethora or plethora, however you, you know, fancy on saying it, um, defensive line, midfield line, and the forward line, there is definitely some really good value. Uh, if only some of these ruck values would actually stand up, it would make life a lot easier. Um yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm hoping someone actually stands up in the preseason because it is, again, the preseason, so I'm really waiting to see. Let's get to the questions. We have to get to Patch first, as always. Clarky, do you want to read Patch's question as he has written it? Look, I'll do I'll do my best for our favourite question, questionnaire, questionnaire, questionnaire. Uh, so Patch has written to us and said, Hello, long-time listener, first-time questioner. How do I not make my team not the worst thing I've ever constructed? It's currently not not bad, but I'd like to get it to not bad before January unbecomes not January. Thanks in advance. XOXO gossip patch. Well, that's just a mess of a question. <laughs> but I mean, when January ends, that's when the team picker is open officially. And there is lots of chatter around and lots of people selling you one player and, and ruling out another player for you and giving their reasons why. So how do you not get sucked into the chatter and completely ruin your team? Uh, first of all, apologies, Patch. I think um, I might have misread your question <laughs> and sort of torn your shreds about Carlton in the thread there, so I do apologize, uh, first of all. Um, I think it's important to back yourself. Now, I probably speak about Abdul a little more than I'd like, but you know, he he's someone who definitely doesn't mind going left field. And when you kind of look at it, all your mates, and this time of year, everyone's right. They're not wrong. Everyone's going up in average. No one's going down in average. And the amount of time that I had people literally tear me to shreds because I wasn't sold on the, you know, Gaundy, the Grundy and Gorn one-two punch last year. And I was like, well, maybe if I put English in my ruck line, it buys me a bit of time. Steph Martin wasn't playing round one. And people called me crazy. And then all of a sudden he went on absolute heater. I started Crips and people were like, oh, no, you can't do Crips. I was like, but he's value and he's fit and he's playing midfield. So I think at some point you kind of have to go, um, I consider it more like a, a jigsaw puzzle. You look at it and go, okay, so I'm going to listen to a, a bit of jock here, a bit of oh, SE inside of 100. Um, yeah, take all your pieces and then make your own puzzle on something that you can actually stand by and don't take everything 100%, but sort of go, okay, I like this, I'm going to disregard that and then try and find your own because everyone will sell you the greatest story in the world and then all of a sudden 12 months later you look back and go, going, how the hell did I pick Whitfield as my D2 and it's a mess. And the other thing is, pick players that you can provide an argument for. Don't pick players, and if people ask you why you've selected those players, point them to someone else and tell them that, and tell them they're why you've picked that player. Have an argument yourself why you've picked that player. You don't want to pick a player and then say, "Oh, because Ben told me to." I'm not saying that Ben's advice isn't good, but have an, you have your own advice. Like inviting yeah. inviting Ben on and then subtly just going, well, Ben's advice, 
not so hey, good. Hey, it's, it's fine. Damn. I'll wear it. No. You can put all complaints to um, www.notme at um, SCNSL100. Um, <laughs> um, I, agree. Um, I, I agree personally with both of you. I'd probably take it even a step further um, with what you were saying, Damon, where it, it is January. And Ben, you hit the nail on the head. Everybody's correct in January. So you pick your team, pick people that you want to pick, and then see how that develops and then adjust as we know more information. Yep. And the other thing is don't get too set in your ways that you're not open to change. So for instance, I've been set on Nat Fife so far. He hasn't left my team. And then all of a sudden today they're talking, oh, like Fife's tra- he's actually training in the forward line. And they're saying, oh, we can't wait to see what he actually provides for us up here and becomes a really scoring threat. And I'm like, oh, hang on a second. For someone who I've had in my team the whole time, now I'm actually starting to second guess whether he is going to be a good player for me. So two things. Number one, pick people that you actually like to watch. Right now, if you don't watch North Melbourne games, hey, maybe don't pick LDU. Just a little fact. Um, Then the other one is pick them based on are they value and what is their role. So if they're at a good price and they have a good role, then that seems like a nice argument to have. The other one is, is that if you can think that they're going to be top six at the end of the year in their position, then go with them. It doesn't matter if they start off a little slow or whatever their price may be. Everyone loses a little bit of cash once the season starts. That's just the, na- the nature of it. So pick people that you actually want to be there for the longevity because we also have one more round this year than previously. So everyone that is injury prone is also now going to be a little bit more of a liability than previous years gone. We'll move on to the next question. I think we answered that one pretty concisely. Uh, Supercoacher on Twitter wants to know, what's the pecking order and likely split in the midfield for the Lions? How does it look with Dunkley there? Ben, you're the Brisbane man. How do you think it will work? Um, Okay, so putting it this way, Essendon wanted Dunkley a couple years back as a pure inside mid. Right. When he played pure inside mid, he absolutely tore it up. He scored, it was it like a 128 average or he went absolutely huge, right? Now, he wasn't in favor at the Dogs to get a full chunk of that pie. He also was wanted by, I think, Port Adelaide and maybe someone else. And Brisbane weren't selling him to Brisbane, obviously, probably for the premiership, but I think they would have sold him on the fact that, hey, we actually want another inside mid. Now, you have Jared Lyons had it was an OP, so he hasn't been as explosive. I don't think he's probably in the high pecking order. Um, Jared Berry... You know, someone was talking about him tagging straight away for the start of the year. I don't see him being in that center midfold, uh, center mix. So I think it's Neil and Dunkley, 100%, right? Dunkley tackles like an absolute mofo as well. So if there's anyone that can actually clamp somebody and win the ball back, he's an absolutely uh, a valuable asset. And I think it's Neil, I think it's Dunkley, and I think someone probably a little bit different. You got him a cluggage. Those are the probably types where you've got a couple of in and unders, you've got someone who can go inside, outside, and then you've got my cluggage as a bit of a Rolls Royce. And then you're going to have a compliment after that. So I think you're going to then have, um, you know, you have your Rainers, you have your Zach Baileys and a few of these other guys to probably almost like, you you know, maybe they'll play the McCluggage sort of role, um, something a bit different, something a bit more dynamic and a bit with speed. But I think Dunkley and Neil and McCluggage are probably their best three players in that punch. And then maybe Jared Lyons, if he's fit, he might come in and sort of play that midfield role as an offset. Uh, and then you have a complement of other people, you know, your berries and your, and everyone else that I already mentioned. Uh, I think they kind of come second fiddle and Ashcroft also in that mix as well. I think Ashcroft probably look, it's a wait and see, but I mean, they talked about 12 months ago, like, Hey, you know, when he trained with the lions, Hey, we'd like to play him next week. And he's so diligent and so regimented as far as everything he does. He has a diary. I mean, what 18 year old kid comes out and actually has a, a regimented diary. 
So I think he probably gets some, you know, depending on does he play forward, does he play mid, but I think it's going to be uh, a large wait and see. Um, but Dunkley, 100% pure gut midfielder for me. So lock him in, 596K, forward one, even starting him in, in your midfield if you want to, I guess. I think I actually said he's going 120 plus in averages. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know where I stand with that. <laughs> he is the easiest uh, forward option you could pick. Eddie has asked two questions. The first one is, he's actually asked three questions. How many Uber mids is best to start? He's seen Laird, Clary, and Took in a lot of teams, but how do you fit them in? Uh, they're very expensive, and I think you kind of have to fade someone along the line. I mean, Laird was extremely consistent, so it's hard to kind of fault him there, but then you have, okay, well, Sloan's coming back in. You know, is Barry going to take another step? What does that mix sort of look like? And apparently Dawson might even be playing on the wing coming up this year. And then you kind of go, okay, well, Clary, I think, is the one for me that I keep talking about because he's an absolute jet and he's a freak with his consistency. And Took as well, they have a really hard start to the year, but he had the most 150-plus scores out of any of those top sort of range players. Um, and it's hard. You kind of have to fade someone somewhere. I'm going to say I like at least a four-premium setup in the midfield. Um, and if you have Green in your setup, then I would say he is a premium because Green is – you're picking him because you think he's going to be a top eight to 10 player. So for me, he's a premium mid. Otherwise, why are you selecting him? Just go a hopper or go someone else and try and make some money and some points. So if you have green, I think he's a premium. I'd say four to five would be probably ideal depending on your matchups. Uh, his second question was, where do you make concessions to fit them all in? Oh, Wherever you think, have to. So I, I think, think we, we kind of have the the concession already built in because we're not everyone is paying up for rucks this year. Remember years gone by, you'd be picking Gorn and Grundy and you'd spend probably 1.4 mil just on your two ruck lines. We kind of have a little bit of freedom in that sense. Um, I would say coming into that, but I always like to lock in, as you said, probably about three to four Uber mids and then build around that. So you know, that's where the majority of your points are. That's where the top 10 is probably a little bit less contentious, like the top four to five. So there's very much like a, you know, pick pick two of Laird, Clary and Took. And, you know, you could even say you could go further down and go like a McRae or anyone like that. And anyone would be like, that. yeah, that's a reasonable start. Yeah, I think that's very valid with the ruck discussion on previous years gone by. I also think spending up, for me personally, I'm spending up big in the midfield. I think I've gone five premiums with maybe Green as my fifth. Um, and I have had it where Green wasn't even in my side. But I think, you know, when you talk about price and spending, I know they're very expensive, right? But I, I don't want to be trying to, at round six, round six comes, you get DPP and all these other positions coming in. I don't want to have to try and find $630,000, $650,000 to try and find and try and get in a midfielder that's killing me, right? Whereas you look at these defenders, it's like, well, Stewart and, and Dawson and everyone else, right? So you're Sinclair's and the rest of it. I'd rather, based on standard deviation, they're probably going to have a couple of lower scores than a midfielder, and I'd rather pay 575, you know, 80 if I need to, to pick them up later because they're always going to be cheaper than the midfield. 
So, you know, Laird and Clary, that during the season just gone, 2022, they were both over $700,000 during the season. And that's why people couldn't afford them. So if, you know, and I've had um, Abdul and a few others um, talking like, oh, but, you know, Clary's had poor scores at the start of the last two years. I'm like, yes, but you're banking on him having a bad game, the one in a year that he might have at the opportune moment to be able to get him. So I think spend up, yep, four or five, pay big, and um, sorry to ramble on this one, but at the end of the day, the rookies do dictate the structure. So if the if the rookies are there in that midfield, then guess what? I'm not picking that many premium midfielders because that's that's not what the rookies are telling me to do. I'd say as well, um, Damo and I just just talking on Laird a bit. Damo and I kind of briefly spoke about this privately earlier today. Actually, I would say I know it's kind of going back a bit with the question, but. Out of those top mids, I'd probably be more willing to fade Laird, just as you were saying about seeking value of those top mids, where it's he had an absolute brilliant run home last year, um, which means that he is probably at the top of what his price is going to be in, as the number one midfielder. So, you know, why not go just a little bit down and save that kind of money with like, you know, a Took Miller is what, 662? Looking at here, that's like a, a forty forty thousand dollar difference for someone who, as you said, took Miller had, you know, one of the most amount of one hundred fifty plus scores last year. So there's still that value to be found if you were going to fade one of them. His third question was, which Uber mid is likely to have an early season slump? Oh, that's hard. The, see, I'm saying probably Took. Um, he had a fairly slow start last year, um, and it's nothing personal about Took at all because I actually really like him. But they have a pretty tough run to start the year, so I don't know if you've sort of had a look anyway. But um, the Suns, I just if you're going to fade one, like, so you know, Laird, etc. Yes, I'd put that argument there. I definitely wouldn't be signing Petrarca based on again that big standard deviation that he has. Mm-hmm. But when you bring up the Gold Coast draw. It doesn't have an easy – so they have Sydney, Essendon, Geelong, Saints, Fremantle. Then finally they get North Melbourne, so it's like, yeah, hard. Then Richmond, Melbourne, Eagles is decent, and then they play the Lions, the Dogs. So Adelaide, Carlton, they don't really get a really good run until maybe that Adelaide, Carlton, Hawks. I just feel like the start of the year is actually quite quite difficult. And uh, for me, if there's one that I'm probably going to fade, it's probably going to be two. I'd probably ask, what do you guys? What would you guys describe as a, a slump? Like, how much of a differentiation between their expected would it be? Because I, I could see you could argue maybe a potential slump for someone like Neil um, with the introduction of Dunkley, and as they figure out what that mid group looks like in terms of rotation. Yeah, I mean, I am worried about Neil. I have thought about fading Neil. I. I was this strong on Clary where I said I would fade every single other midfielder to start Clary, and that includes Neil. And I love Neil. I'm a big Brisbane person, but for me, Clayton Oliver is the first and and foremost. Um, Neil, they don't have a too bad of a draw, but the thing that I kind of like is when you have a look at teams that are half rebuilding, so, you know, Port, Melbourne, Dogs, Collingwood, right, a good first four weeks, but then they have North Melbourne, the Giants straight after that, and I don't want to be kind of – Sitting there watching Lockie Neal maybe towel up a couple of easy teams around that round five, round six, just before DPP kind of comes in. Um, that's where I'm sort of looking at. Now, Dunkley should towel up because Neal gets all the attention. But at the end of the day, 
you know, Neil's also a very quality player. So again, you can't start them all. And by slump, I mean, if they were averaging 125 to 128, maybe they start off by going 110, 115, and then drop to, you know, 570 to 600. And I would pay that for that, that, that midfielder. Matt O'Brien is a little worried about his midfield. He wants to start. Tom Green, Tom Mitchell, Jai Newcomb, Jacob Hopper, and Finn Callahan. How crazy is it? That's a lot of, um, you know, it's it's kind of like the roulette table. You're putting a lot of chips and a lot of different numbers, and, you know, sometimes there can only be one or, you know, even a small spread. I'm glad you said the roulette table because so many times with a breakout, you pick three and one one breaks out, right? Or like the roulette table, sometimes you just crap out and you hit nothing. Now, the last time I remember multiple mid prices kind of really breaking out. So a couple of years ago, maybe in the forward line, Greenwood, Brayshaw, you know, they kind of broke out in that forward line, but truly broke out. It was probably even a couple of years before that when you had like Matt Crouch, Clary, when they were in that mid-price sort of bracket, they broke out to full primo. Now, I think it's a, a liability picking a lot of those. Like Callahan should get more of a gig, but that is still a risk. Um, I know, I think Chris is pretty keen on like value and going like Titch and LDU and Green. But again, you're picking on them. I'm like, who are you kicking out of the top eight to 10 midfielders? Because at the moment, Petrarca's eighth and everyone above him and even Steele, I think, is below that. Who are you kicking out of the top 10? Because they're all super quality players where I can't see them not being relevant. So I'd maybe say, hey, find out who you're really keen on and then maybe you know, alter a little bit. So I don't mind Callahan if he gets the right gig. I don't mind Hopper if he gets the inside mid-roll. Um, it's probably about whether you want to start those three. For me, Newcomb's probably the biggest liability. If he started like an LDU, I'd say, okay, well, he finished averaging maybe 110, 115 in the back end of the year. You know, maybe. But... Yeah, uh, for me, I'd say green and maybe one. And then Hopper's okay, Callahan may be okay, but Newcomb for me is a no. Question without notice, well, question that hasn't actually been submitted because this is one from me just on the back of that. Um, <laughs> you could just say I have a question. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Here's, here's a question uh, recently submitted after yeah. due time. Which Hawthorne midfielder picks up the slack? Which Hawthorne midfielder fills that void of significance? Newcomb would be first off the rank, and there is scope to see him really improve. Um, I'm also thinking, was it Stevens is one to, to watch? I think it's Stevens, came from Geelong. I uh, can't remember his first name, but he's one that I'm definitely looking at there. And it, there is a lot of questions. Um, you know, who, so who's going to be playing in that Hawthorne midfield? Very, very valid question. Who's going to be picking up the slack? Who's going to be going onto the wing and the extra rotation in the midfield for the dogs is Bailey Smith going onto the wing? Is he going in the guts? Is um, you know Bailey, Dan- you know Daniel or someone, uh, Caleb Daniel or Bailey, you know going up on the wing? You know what's that makeup, right? And then also Fremantle forward line again, a bit of a shamble is five having to play forward because Lobs traded out. So that's why I think when we talk about you know the role is really significant. There's a lot of shifting pieces. Um, I can't tell you about the Hawks midfield though, Clarky. Look, I'm looking at the Hawks list now, and I'm just going, yeah, who? Warple and Stevens, probably. Warple? Yeah. Like, backing in Ward and backing in um, the other guy that failed me last year. I can't remember his name. 
Because you, you'd say, and Damo and Baron on our, we did a podcast last week, uh, corrected me on this, but Carl Eamon, you'd have to think, would be playing out on a wing, I think you guys sort of indicated. So that's kind of easy to send him out there. But then it's, where do they fill these other positions? But I think Newcomb, you'd have to say, would be the number one for that Hawks mid. And then they've also just drafted Cam McKenzie as well, who will probably... Be, get um be slotted into that mix as well. He's 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 one that was really powerful in his under 18s year and doesn't really have a lot of places to fall to, so he's pretty much going to be a midfielder until he develops something else into his um in in into his arsenal and he's a little bit like Josh Ward though in that he literally was just a midfielder in his in in, in his under 18s year. Yeah, it'll be interesting. They also have a couple of forward options that might run through there as well. Um, but again, probably two bit pieces, you know, Dylan Moore and Wingard could kind of do a little bit of a hack sort of piece, you know, to fill in the blanks. But um, yeah, they're going to have a very, very young midfield, which is why I kind of like anyone going up against them, to be honest. I will say, um, while we're looking at that group that Matt submitted for the crazy group, your your man Chris kind of talked me a little bit out of Titch. Um, starting him in terms of just just the structure that I had, just because there's a little bit of uncertainty of just how much of that mid is like, is he being given the keys directly, or are they completely redeveloping that whole mid group to work around him? Um, so I think that that'll be another real wait and see. But I'd say Titch and Nukem out of those five would be my if I put my chips on the table, probably Tom Green and one of those two. Yeah, Titch is a fascinating prospect because I think he averaged, was at 110, 115, I think, the year before. So there is value there. It just depends on, though, are they using him to kind of – they want him to get the clearance, right, to get the hard ball. But then with that hard ball, does he kind of butcher it forward like we know he can or is he kind of trying to look to offload to some of the better ball users, right? Because Collingwood have some really good ball users. I mean, you've got you know, Crisp with at least a bit of you know breaking speed and you've got Dacos and Pendles and all these other guys kind of around them. So is he looking to kind of get the ball on hack or is he kind of looking to link up? Now, if he gets a lot of handballs into clearance, you know, into open territory, he's not a good enough kick to kind of score well. So he needs a lot of a lot of ball in Supercoach. If he was fantasy, I'd probably lock him in a bit more. But Supercoach, I think he needs to be really efficient. Um, I'd consider it. I mean, at the worst, if you're picking someone that's cheap, you think during the season, generally you're picking at least one cheap midfielder that's 550000 to fill your M8, right? So maybe you just start that person. If it's a green, will green get close enough to the top 10 that I can just keep him as my M8 all year? And that way you don't have to find another cheaper guy. Mm. Speaking of Tom Green, we'll stick at the Giants. Corey has asked if... Isaac Cumming is a good option at D3 if Harry Himmelberg plays forward. I have seen things that pretty much indicate Himmelberg is currently training with the forward group, um, which is disappointing um, because I think he showed last year he has a lot more to offer and they kind of have a forward group that could live without him. Um, So I think if... If Isaac Cumming is unhampered down back there, doesn't really have anyone else to share his load with, then there's absolute upside there. 
D3, you said you've, maybe. You've, you've said you've seen things. I thought there was a coming joke <laughs> coming, but uh, <laughs> it never came, unfortunately, so there's no joke there. Um, <laughs> I think there is definitely a, a joke p- dispunction there. That's sort of yeah, good sorry. love that. Ha- hashtag PG. Um, I, I am interested in coming. Um, sometimes you have to kind of just <laughs> wait and see, maybe give the voodoo. <laughs> Little Buddha, a bit of a rub, see if it gets going. Yeah, just, um, sometimes you just need a break and then have another look at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but the problem is it can only really go once a game. Um, <laughs> um, so, look, for me, I think there's definitely interest there. But for, uh, the biggest concern for me, I think he has a very good role. He could be very good. I think he averaged close to 100 then tailed off a little bit. The big issue for me is, is Whitfield going back into defense or is he staying around that midfield wing forward or wherever Whitfield plays, right? Cause he can kind of go anywhere. Now, if Whitfield gets to that extracting role in the back line, then realistically from round six onwards, Whitfield's probably the value pick, right? All things pending fitness and the rest of it. Uh, otherwise, you know, Hayes, maybe if he goes back into the uh, Haynes, Hayes, Haynes, Nick Hayes, Hayes. Yeah. yeah, Haynes, if he goes into defensive line, if he gets a full gig, um, but I think there's definitely some value in coming. It's just about the Whitfield factor for me. Sorry, Clark. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you know, <laughs> just, I am a child. Um, no, no, yeah, I, I think you're completely right. It, the Giants have been a team I think have been probably one of the most talked about just because we don't know what they're doing under Kingsley because, and I, I blame Leon because he was just doing whatever last year by the end of it. So we didn't know who was going to be where. Well, he was, um, it was we a dictatorship know. with Leon. Yeah. It, was, it was Kings of Leon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think I, I, I find myself difficult to, like, I find it difficult to be convinced about any GWS player that isn't one of their, like, top four or five mids. Like, I can see a clear argument for Josh Kelly, Tom Green, Stephen Kenigliog, um, you know, those guys. And, that's about it. Like, I don't really trust any of the other positions around the ground until I see them in action. Yeah. And people have been using the same argument with Cornelio being like, oh, well, with, with um, you know, Leon, basically, you know, with the coach, they'll say, oh, yeah, he averaged poorly. And all of a sudden, the new coach came in and he was averaging awesome in the midfield. It's like, okay, well, what's the new coach going to do? Is he going to be more like the back end of the year? Is he going to be more like... The start of the year is going to be a combination of the two. So I think there's a lot of questions. And there's more, even, you know, sideway, a little bit of a segue here, even like St. Kilda, right? Mm-hmm. So when you kind of look at, you know, again, new coaching sort of there with Ross Lyon, it's like, well, is he going to go in a very defensive-minded, you know, and then is that going to free up other people, you know, like uh, was it Hunter Clark and a few other people, are they going to be using him to, as an extraction, as a slower play? Um, and then even, you know, Clarko as well just recently, um, you're looking at Taron Thomas playing off the halfback. So, and Clarko loves a rebounding player. So all of a sudden it's like, well, I, I, I do not rate Taron Thomas at all, but I'm like, hang on. All of a sudden, you know, Clarko loves these kind of players as an extraction, trying to reform him as a halfback flanker because North had people that could not kick. And if there's one thing Taron Thomas is, it's a good kick. So, you know, you start to stand up and listen. So with these new coaches, you have to literally look at, Anything and everything you read, but then also back it up with what you see. I think talking, just just touching on uh, good old garlic breath, Ross Lyon, um, he has come out and said that he has sort of changed his coaching style as well, which I think just adds another layer on that mystery of 
what St. Gilda are going to be doing. So it's like, well, how much have you changed? And are you just saying that? Didn't he say he's warm and cuddly? That's like an ex-girlfriend telling you how much she's changed and then all of a sudden six weeks in on, on absolute madness, Ross Lyon comes out going, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, this didn't work because Robert Harvey did. <laughs> Questions, yes. Yeah, sorry. Clarky, you've ventured into TikTok, making some TikTok content. You posted something the other day and someone submitted a question. McRae or Bont? It's a tough one because somebody has to benefit. And I think, um, you know, if you go listen to uh, SC Insider 100, uh, their midfield podcast uh, after this one, they'll probably say what I was thinking as well, where Bont, if he moves into the mid, probably has the most upside because he's been swinging around that sort of half-forward, big-moment player for a long time now. And it's like, well, we know how devastating he could be as part of that group, but then, you know, you zoom back out and you look at the list and it's Bont and then McRae, and then you've got the Bailey Smiths and the Libbers and, you know, whoever else you want to add to that mix. So I think it'll be an interesting one. I'd probably say McRae... If you were determined to pick one, McRae for his consistency would be my pick. Yeah, see, I was in that midfield mix-up. I was, you know, the other two boys were on Bontempelli and I said McRae. And I was like, okay, well, you know, McRae, he did have a bit of a poor year. They also kind of forced him to go from the inside to a little bit more on the wing. So Dunkley out automatically, I'm thinking he probably needs to go back in. Right? But then also on the flip side, you've got, well, Bontempelli used to have to play forward. You know, but now you've got, you know, Lobs come into that team. You've now got Darcy into that team as well. Bruce apparently is going and playing off, you know, maybe as an intercepting rebounder kind of in defense. They don't need Bontepelli forward anymore. If the, if something happens, it used to be, oh, there's an injury, Bont forward, which was always the risk, right? Now, automatically, it's like, well, if there's an injury or something there, you've got Lob. And then I was like, okay, well, wonderful. We'll just go and and um, and shift the pieces a little bit. We'll put Bruce in the forward line. We'll put Darcy in the forward line and then, sh- you know, shift some pieces. So I, I don't think Bond's playing forward anymore as much. He might rest forward, yes, because he's still a great dynamic, you know, good mark, can kick some goals, but it's going to be more he might, you know, start midfield, push forward to rest a little bit, not really starting CBA forward anymore. So I think there's probably a huge upside for Bont to now just take ownership of those CBAs and then just go wherever and then rest forward when he needs to rest. So I've kind of changed my mind a little bit. I've now got Bont and Pelly in my team. And the only reason is as well, like McRae's absolutely dominant, but then McRae is also someone who can kind of go and play outside a little bit as well. So at what point can McRae – it's like, well, wonderful. Bailey Smith, you're, you know, you're dynamic, et cetera. You can go inside. McRae, you can go outside. But the reason I think McRae might stay inside as well, with Dunkley missing all of these tackles, who's going to be the tackler in that team? Because McRae is a really good tackler. So I don't see Bailey Smith getting as many tackles as McRae would. So I still think there's a lot of value. Demo. And with Lockie Hunter going, does that actually mean that McRae spends more time outside than they find someone else to play in that midfield? Maybe they've got Bailey Smith and McRae starting on the wings and then moving into the midfield after the centre bounce, something along those lines. We could see the midfield start with Bontempelli, um, even... It wouldn't surprise me if Cody Waitman eventually has some midfield time as well because they because for some reason Luke Beveridge loves him around the ball. Um, like we just don't know how that midfield's going to look apart from Bontempelli 
with all the departures that, that they've had and all the arrivals that, that, that they have had as well. Yeah, you don't make friends with Bevo Salad. That's true. But at least, you know, Libertore can only really play inside guts. So I think that's probably a lot put to him. Bailey Smith can sort of go inside. He can go wing. He can go forward. Same as Trelaw as well, inside wing forward. And I think McRae even, again, inside wing forward. He, you know, well, inside wing, probably not forward. Um, whereas Bontempelli, they don't really need him forward as much anymore. So I think it's kind of time that he needs to lift and be that captain that actually takes the game and dominates, which is probably why I'm now leaning towards him because McCray, you're kind of picking him and going, oh, well, there should be points. But then, you know, Trelaw, Bailey Smith are also really good options that play a similar kind of style, whereas Bont's in his own, in, in his own element, in my opinion. So I think... For me, the issue with Bontepelli is, is the inconsistency. He'll get you a 160 one week, and then he might go 100 flat, whereas at least McRae was a little bit more consistent. Um, I wouldn't be relying on Bontepelli as my captain, but I, definitely a great VC option. Yeah, I think as well, the the other reason why you pick Bontepelli is because there's a couple times a year where the dogs really need it, and he'll just come out and score 200 because big moment, big moment player, that's you know, where champion data loves to give super coach points for. The other thing is when he got tagged previously, he would just go forward. But what happens now, if he gets tagged, does he just have to work through it? Um, I'm not concerned from his average point of view because it stacks up over the longevity, but that could be something to watch. Uh, as far as the wing, Damo, I don't know if, it, you know, Bailey Dale, whether he pushes up onto the wing a little bit, because what we do know is Ed Richards killed it at the back end of last year. So you're kind of going, well, Caleb, Daniel, and Ed Richards on the halfbacks, and maybe Daniel goes, uh, sorry, Dale goes up onto the wing to kick into the midfield, like kick it to the forward line. Um, I'm waiting to see how they match up, but I imagine either Ed Richards or Dale or someone like that might get up onto the wing, or they'll stack their back line with all three, which would be absolutely outstanding as well. But questions? Yeah, questions. Actually, that's all the questions for today. Oh, good. I have one more question then while we're talking about the Western Bulldogs. Are you guys at all interested in the idea of Josh Bruce for 160000 if he does play a more intercepting defender role? I am. It's the role. We saw last year, um, McCartan, you know, when you get that sort of intercepting, sort of rebounding role, we saw Paddy McCartan, you know, get a pretty good gig and score quite well. Now, I was fairly keen on, like, you know, well, King King coming back in, but, again, ACL takes a bit of time. And I had a look. He only averaged, like, 55 the year before that. And then Oscar Allen, I was like, cool, well, if he gets the second tap out, because we know Nick Nat doesn't play a huge amount of time on ground. So if Oscar Allen's the second ruck, then there's a lot of value there. But even he only averaged, like, nearly 60. And that's just not going to cut it for guys that are 160 to 200,000. So for me, if Bruce is intercepting, then he's definitely someone I'm looking at. Damo. Before Josh Bruce was traded to St. Kilda from the Giants, he actually was a defender for the Giants at the beginning of his career. And I'm surprised he's going back to defense. I mean, obviously, he's, he's older. He's learned a bit more. He knows a bit more about how to play the game. In his, But he wasn't a great defender, and that's why the Giants were so happy to let him go all those years ago, and that's why he was moved forward and played as a forward. So it's interesting that he's moving back, and I don't know if I'm – if I mean, the price point is great, and if he can and if he can average 60 to 70, then that's fine because that's all you need from a rookie about that price. But I'm not 
I'm not as interested in him if there are better rookies going around. Yeah, it depends on his role, though, because he might not be a great defender, but we've seen a lot of defenders that aren't great that can actually mark the ball and then rebound. So it depends. If he's got a matchup, because otherwise I'm looking at going, okay, well, Alex Keith is really good on a one-on-one and he could lock somebody down. Liam Jones is coming in. He's pretty much got the golden fist to try and lock somebody down. And um, I think you've also got, you know, somebody uh, – so Bailey Williams as well is not too bad on a one-on-one. Um, or is it Gardner? I can't remember either one. And so it depends. If he, if he actually has that freed-up role where he might not even have an opponent and he just kind of floats off, then he might not be a bad option. Uh, I don't need him to win one-on-ones if he's kind of the third one up getting intercepts. So, again, it's a wait and see for me, but 166,000, if intercept marks are worth their weight in gold, rebound 50s and extraction points are also worth their weight in gold. So it it just depends on role. If he gets that role, I could be sold because there's 100 to 150,000 to be made. And there's a lot less data to go off this preseason with only one game. Hopefully teams sort out scratch matches and we get and we get – intel from all of those but hopefully the one official game we see the 22 that teams are likely to enter the season with and we'll get a better idea of how teams are structuring up that way um like i said that's all the questions for today um it's been good getting behind the mic again for another mailbag clark and i will be back next week with dr of supercoach with dr who you may know from youtube ben where can people find supercoach insider content we're everywhere, boys. We're talking about TikTok before as well. We only just started TikTok doing little snippets, and I think we've got two of them. One's hit 27,500, one's hit 22,000 already views, uh, trying to get just yeah, a little bit of everywhere. SC Insider 100, we can, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok as well. YouTube as well, just search Supercoach Insider, smashing out heaps of content through the preseason. As always, um, yeah, just have a look. Excellent. Make sure you check them out. Their Ruckline podcast in particular was quite interesting and helpful to me, but they've done the forward line, midfield and defense as well. All very good listening. Clarky, thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you listeners for sending in your questions. Use hashtag jock mailbag if you'd like us to answer yours in the next episode and we'll talk next time.